Good morning, everyone. We're so glad that you joined us today. I'm Sarah. This is Micah. We're the lead pastors at the Vine Church, and we're just glad you're here with us today. Yeah, thanks for being here. Of course, we are online today, but we are working hard on the facility that we together as a church just purchased. Uh, the previous church is pretty well moved out. In fact, I think today they're kind of finalizing that. Uh, our painter is in and this last week he got about a quarter of the church painted. This is a big project. I think a little bit bigger than we might have realized <laughs> in the beginning. Uh, but soon we'll be able to start bringing equipment in and setting up AV and all that stuff. So we are excited. We are really looking forward to seeing you face to face in the near future. We will do so safely. Once we have that building together, we will do so as safely with all the precautions in place as possible. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we're really excited to do that soon. Absolutely. Today here, we're going to talk about a church who listens. And as I was reflecting on that, I was thinking about um, our marriage. So we've been married 17 years. And so for 17 years, we've lived together. Then we've had children. And so we've parented together. And we're co-pastors. And so we work together. Can I just say we have had ample opportunity to listen to each other. And um, what were you saying? <laughs> Sometimes that can be a little bit challenging, but we have made huge progress with the whole listening and communicating thing. I think back to our first year of marriage and there was just a whole lot more of those confused looks followed by an incredulous question such as, how could you even think that? So if you're newly married, just pro tip here, a little marriage tip, instead of asking that question, you could ask, uh, could you explain your thinking or something <laughs> of that nature? Anyway, as I was thinking about communicating and listening to each other, I was thinking about all the areas we've really improved in. And one of these areas is our communication as it relates to backing up a trailer. Now, let me just be forthcoming and say I have never backed up a trailer. So when we have a trailer, Mike is the one driving and often is loaded really high and he can't see. And so I'm the one who gets out of the car and I'm doing the hand motions, signaling him. Similar to that. It's like, what are you doing? Right? Yeah. <laughs> and there have been a few scenarios like, what is that hand motion supposed to be? Um, or like, I meant the other right, not that right. I, I technically, I know like intellectually how backing up a trailer works, but it doesn't always get communicated. Anyway, one thing I've learned in communicating is that it's so important to listen. And as we learn to listen to each other, we're able to more effectively communicate as well. So we're in a series in the book of Acts, and we have been exploring this remarkable story. As Jesus has risen from the dead, uh, he's now ascended, and the Holy Spirit comes, and the church begins. And it's this remarkable movement of Israelite people that have come to believe Jesus is our Savior, he is our Messiah, and they begin to share the news, and it grows throughout Israel until Acts chapter 10, when God opens Peter's eyes to the fact that there is a whole new wave of this church thing coming, and that is the rest of the world. The Gentiles, as the Israelites call them, the rest of the world is invited through the mm -hmm. sacrifice of Jesus to come and know this hope that we are living into. And so it begins with Paul and Barnabas in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 12, 13 or so. Uh, they're sent out on their first missionary journey uh, where they go out to other nations and they start sharing with people very different than themselves this good news mm -hmm. about Jesus who rose 
from the dead. Now, naturally, as the church begins to become more diversified, as other nations are brought into it, there's major challenges in store. And so today in Acts chapter 15, we explore one of those first major challenges that comes back to the hub of Christian faith, and they say, how are we going to deal with this? So we're going to start off in verse 1 of Acts chapter 15. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with, with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad, and when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. So the first challenge that's listed here, or the first big event and challenge in the in the first century church, was over the the subject of circumcision. Mm-hmm. Now, um, circumcision isn't so much of a hot button topic today, but it sure was in this moment in time. Now, circumcision is a medical procedure uh, that Israel performed on baby boys uh, shortly after birth, and it was not only a medical procedure, but it was like a symbol um, of the covenant relationship. Mm-hmm that they were in with God. It, it was sacred to them as a people, as a nation, been practiced for thousands of years. And now here they find themselves, uh, Christian converts of other nations coming in that don't adhere to the same practices and rituals and hold the same values. And so they find themselves asking, you know, to what extent have our practices in the church simply been um, the norms that we've experienced or our cultural realities? And to what extent are they mandates of Christian faith? So the church had some big questions to answer right now. So they send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem to speak with the apostles and with the elders. Now, Paul and Barnabas had just completed their first missionary journey. And you can read about that in Acts 13 and Acts 14, and many Gentiles had come to know Jesus. So as they traveled to Jerusalem, and as they spoke with other believers, they told them the stories of what had happened on their missionary journey. And this was a fairly new and a huge paradigm shift, like Micah mentioned, where for, for the Jewish Christians, as the, they realized that the good news of Jesus, the long-awaited Jewish Messiah and Savior, was inviting all people into the kingdom of God. And so when the believers heard this, it's significant that they were very glad. They were happy that there were many Gentiles coming to faith. In verse five, then um, some of the believers who belonged to the party of Pharisees of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. Now, this is interesting in multiple respects. If you remember in the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, the Pharisees were continually in opposition mm-hmm. with Jesus throughout his ministry. And now we read of Pharisees that had, had converted to the Christian faith. They had come to believe in Jesus as their Messiah. But uh, things don't change quickly. Uh, kind of seems like they're playing the same role now in the church that they were in Israel previously because they come with the most legalistic 
response and read that you could have on the subject at hand in the text today. And in verse six, the apostles and elders met to consider this question. So Mm -hmm. let me just introduce what we're going to talk about today. That is communal discernment, the idea of coming together in community to listen to, look for, to pray about God's will being revealed. So as the story continues in verse seven, Peter, who's an apostle and one of the leaders of the church stands up and he says, you guys remember not long ago how God called me to go meet with Cornelius. And you remember what happened there, how the Holy Spirit came on them just like the Holy Spirit came on us and God chose to include Cornelius and the Gentiles into the family of God. So he says, remember back not long ago and also remember back further back to our history as the Jewish people. In verse 10, he, he says this, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? So right here, when he says the yoke that we are not able to bear nor our ancestors is ancestors. He's referring to the law of Moses. So we, we weren't, we aren't able to keep all of the laws and neither were our ancestors. So why are you trying to insist that the Gentiles do this and put this burden on them? Let's look back at our history and ask, what has our history taught us that could help us in this moment? Yeah, so their first step in communal discernment was look look back. Like what what do we know from the past? What have we learned that that can apply in this moment here and now? And then it goes on in verse twelve, and the whole assembly became quiet or became silent mm-hmm. as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. So the second step, you know, they consider history and then they say, Well, what is God doing in this moment? What are we witnessing? What are we seeing? How is the Holy Spirit mm-hmm moving here and now that might guide us towards the next step. And then starting in verse uh, 13, James stands up and James is another apostle and leader of the church. And he speaks up and and he says, God has invited the Gentiles. He has chosen to include all people in his kingdom. And then this is significant in verse 15. He says, the words of the prophets are in agreement with this. And he quotes a passage from Amos saying, where God says, I will rebuild and I will restore my people, even all the Gentiles who bear my name. So in this moment, as they're, as they're practicing communal discernment, they check in with scripture to see if what is happening, if what they're hearing fits into the continuing story of God's work and presence in the world. And here James says, yes, it makes sense. The prophets foretold that this would happen. When's the last time you were confronted with a a real problem or or, or a real challenge? Mm -hmm. Um, Quite often we respond just instinctively. Uh, We're reactive and we immediately draw our conclusions and begin to defend ourselves or become defensive, right? In this situation, the church operates very differently than that. Instead of the immediate response or the belief or understanding of an individual, they enter into this time of communal discernment. They, they say, in community, we will try to work together to understand what God has done, what God is doing, and what he's leading us towards. And what's really cool, look at the comprehensive 
way that they went about this process. They listen to the Holy Spirit. What is God doing in this moment that might lead us? They look back over their history and they explore what has God, what, what has God done that's led us to this mm-hmm. point. And finally, they, they look at scripture and say, look, this aligns with what God has told us in scripture as well. I love the posture of the first century church here. Let's discern mm-hmm. together and let's do it in a comprehensive and thought out way. In verse 19, James speaks up, and this is what he says. He says, It is my judgment, therefore, having done all this, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. And I love that simple statement. We should not make this difficult. And isn't it human nature just to overcomplicate things and and overburden ourselves? You know, um, I was thinking about, us traveling. We haven't done a whole bunch of that recently with COVID, but us traveling, Micah and I, believe it or not, we pack very differently. Um, and I'll say Micah is very efficient and quick about packing. I tend to be more thoughtful about what I pack. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. <laughs> By thinking about it for several days and laying everything out and continually adding to the pile, uh, which I am going to pack and and so i'm not known in my family for packing light um not at all but you know someone invented this really cool thing they put wheels on suitcases and so even if i have a heavy suitcase i can travel pretty easily with that suitcase but it wasn't always the case before we had kiddos we we did a bunch of backpacking and i remember when we were packing for that we had a very minimalist perspective because and i was on board for that because i had to carry that bag. And so I packed very differently. I didn't want to overburden myself. And so I love James's comment here. He says, we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Let's not require all, all the whole law of Moses of them. Let's not overburden them. In fact, they just set out four requirements and the requirements that they insisted on might seem strange to us in a different time and a different culture. Um, but it made sense in that cultural context. It had requirements that, um, had to do with food. So abstaining from, from certain kinds of food and from sexual immorality. And th- there is a big difference, um, in the Jewish and the Gentile. Um, cultures in, in their moral standards with regards to, to sexuality. And so they lay out these four requirements so that the Jews and the Gentiles would be able to live in community together. These were requirements that would help facilitate them living in community and doing life together because that was the goal. So the leaders in the church then send a letter to these new Gentile believers. And what's cool is they not only send the letter, they don't just put it in the mail with a stamp on it, as though that existed in the time. Uh, (laughs) Instead, they send people along with that letter to experience this moment Mm -hmm. of realization and the future of the church together. They send people to go and to be with the Gentile believers, these new believers, And they send with them this letter, and uh, the way they draw the conclusion and what they describe here in Acts chapter 15, verse 28, it's a verse worth remembering. They say, 
It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, mm-hmm. not to burden you with anything beyond what you can carry. And and so and and then they laid out the the few requirements that they would still have. And I love this statement. It seemed good mm-hmm. to the Holy Spirit and to us. Listen to the way the church is considering like how do we deal with the challenges we're facing how do we integrate new people into who we are how do we come um, across boundaries and, and different things that could divide and how do we come together in unity as a church and, and they they work through this process uh, of communal discernment coming to this conclusion this is what seems good to us and to the Holy Spirit. I've heard some authors describe this posture of the church kind of as improvision, uh, mm-hmm. the, the improvisation of the yeah. church, you know. And if you're a musician, if you've played guitar or if you've listened to a concert, you might have heard of improv or improvisation. And uh, it's when, you know, the band just keeps playing through Dance. yeah, um, the chords of the song and someone is playing a solo over the top. And improvisation kind of gives you the impression that it's completely made up on the fly and entirely mm-hmm. random. Uh, let me tell you, as a guitarist, it is not. Uh, improvisation that you would hear in the context of a concert is a result of hundreds or thousands of hours mm-hmm. of practice, running scales and playing your favorite licks and then putting them together in creative ways in that moment. But some people kind of describe this moment in the church and hopefully the moments we're living into today as that same thing. Improvisation based on the history, the experience of the church, what God is doing in this moment following the leader of this music, which is God, we get to improvise. We get to participate in God's next step in this moment here and now. I love that. That's exciting. The story continues in verse 31. Um, the apostles send this letter and then the 31, the people read it and we're glad for its encouraging message. So this letter is read in Antioch, the church in Antioch, which contains both Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. And they were encouraged. They say, yes, this this is something that we can do. Mm-hmm. So what, what do we take from this? Um, as a church today, as a small church in the Tri-Cities, but as we consider the global church as well, what is our posture mm-hmm. when it comes to integrating our differences, when it comes to engaging new communities and people different than ourselves? How do we move forward when there's major questions on the table? Uh, today, we want to challenge us, the church, with this idea of communal discernment, that rather than being reactive or allowing mm-hmm an individual voice to lead the way, we as the people of God come together to listen in community. Mm-hmm. And so how do we do that? First of all, we listen to the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit saying? What is the Holy Spirit doing? You know, the story of God is not stagnant because God is working here and now. And so we need to be paying attention to what the Spirit is doing. Now, when I say listen to the Holy Spirit, I can see for some that might be kind of an abstract um, or daunting statement. So how do we listen to the Holy Spirit? Uh, First of all, through prayer. And in prayer, we open ourselves up to God. We surrender and we ask God to speak to us. And God is super creative. He speaks to us in many different ways, in, in conversations 
with others um, or in helping us be aware of different uh, events that he's orchestrating around us. And it takes this, this posture of prayer, of surrender to God, of opening ourselves up to God, to hear God. I think one of the things in my life that has been the most impactful is to remind myself to be intentional about, about creating space to listen. Our lives are so full. Our, our schedules are busy. Our minds are preoccupied with a lot of different things. We have to be intentional about creating space to be in the presence of God and really focus in on what the Spirit is saying. Yeah. So, so communal discernment, as we come together to have these conversations and to dream about and ask, what God, what are you doing in this mm-hmm. moment? What comes next? How do we deal with challenges that we face? First, uh, listen to the Holy Spirit and watch for what God is doing in the present here and now. Secondly, we need to take an honest look at history. Mm-hmm. Um, this last week, Sarah and I had an interesting opportunity. We attended an online course through WSU Tri-Cities um, that was on the subject of race as it relates to the Tri-Cities, our community here, and the history of racial inequality and things that have happened here in our very community, stories of people's, their, their lives and, and what they experience. And it was beautiful and, and tragic in many respects. But as we explored, what is the here and now that we have inherited, right? Mm-hmm. And so as a church, I mean, racial reconciliation, that's one subject of many that we should be asking, what is the history? What is the experience of the people in in whose lives we're, we're engaging? And what is the experience of our community? What has happened in the past? What has got accomplished in the past? And how did we come to the place that we are mm-hmm. here and now? Absolutely. And then thirdly, in communal discernment, we look at the word of God. You know, scripture is a story of, of God and his mission in this world. And we ask what if what we're hearing, if what we're thinking is aligned with what we see in the story of God. And so we look at scripture, we look at the narrative, we look at the flow, and we consider how God is inviting us into his continued ongoing mission and see if what we're hearing fits in that bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And then finally, of course, we come together and discuss. Mm-hmm. We hear each other's voices. We listen well and we articulate what God has laid upon our hearts. And we look forward to those continued conversations, especially as we as a church yeah. move into a new neighborhood. Uh, just know that we want to hear your voice and we invite you to be a part of this mm-hmm. process. So let's pray as we uh, as we close out that subject today. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word and thank you for the example of the first century church, a people who is willing to come together to listen, to discuss, to explore how we would face challenges, how they would face challenges, and how the church would move forward. And here 2,000 years later, God, we continue to ask how we deal with our challenges. What what has our history brought us to here and now? And God, where are you leading us in the Mm -hmm. days, weeks, and months to come? Uh, God, we pray that you will give us insight, that your spirit will work within us. Uh, God, give us uh, the ability to sit and to listen, the posture of learners in this process. Mm -hmm. And God, lead us into participation in the beautiful work that you're doing in this community. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So each week we've been leaving you with a song, and today we have a familiar song for you, or familiar to most of us, Build Your Kingdom Here by Rend Collective. And some of the lyrics that really stand out to me um, 
They sing, we seek your kingdom first. We seek your kingdom first. We hunger and we thirst. And that is our prayer today. We are seeking the kingdom of God here in the Tri-Cities and we hunger and we thirst for that. Absolutely. Hey, friends, thank you so much for joining us again today. Can't wait to see you again soon. Bye, everyone. Bye.